Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I feel like I got a jump or something, I don't know. You guys were just not clapping, you were clapping in sync. Not the band in sync, but because nobody's as good as them, right? <laughs> I want you to grab your Bibles, and uh, if you have a, uh, a, you know, a hard copy, uh, I want you to go ahead and start finding Acts chapter one. If you're digital, if you got a tablet, a phone, um, turn to Acts chapter one. It's pretty simple. And I'll give you some time to find that because, you know, what's, what's crazy is that we don't know how to navigate our Bibles much anymore, do we? And so I have to give us some time to actually figure out where is the book of Acts? It's in there, I promise. Just keep hunting. I want to say thank you. Uh, what an honor it is every single year uh, that I've been here and even in those moments that I, I've spoken here, I've had the privilege of speaking here, and it wasn't chasing God. I really, and I say this, I feel like I say this every time, but I really do feel like you guys are family. I really do. Your pastor, Pastor Mark and Denise, you know, they've, uh, they've been friends for, for many years, and we love them, love them dearly, and Steve and Ann, and I could just keep going on with names. There's just so many people, and, and you guys take care of our son very, very well, and uh, I know you love him, and we do too. We actually kind of love him more, and uh, just so we're clear on that. But, uh, but we also love Elena as well, and she's got the little baby bump thing going on. Yeah. So that's exciting. I think it's in March, right? Yeah, we're going to have our third grandchild. You know, third grandchild, that's pretty crazy. And for those of you who have grandchildren, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if, if I would have known that grandchildren were this awesome, I would have had them first. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you feel me, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, during, during worship tonight, um, I was kind of like, um, kind of captivated, raptured up. Uh, because what, what I sensed tonight is I, I sensed hunger in the room. I sensed a desire in the room for God. I'm sure that, you know, chasing God, you know, you guys have been here most every night and, and, uh, and it just tends to, you know, lead up to that. You know, hunger just, it, it, it's so interesting how spiritual hunger works. You know, physical hunger is that if you don't eat, you get hungry. I get hangry, you know what I'm saying? Like I get hangry when I don't eat physically. But spiritual hunger works the exact opposite. It's like the more you eat, the hungrier you get. And so you guys have just been feasting and experiencing you know, God and chasing God and, and worshiping and hearing his word and leaning in. And, and I, just, I, I just feel like the... You know, I, I just felt like I, I get to experience the blessing of that tonight. So there's a hunger in the room. And I, I want you to hear this. When people are hungry, that's when God shows up. Like the Holy Spirit doesn't show up where he's tolerated. He shows up where there's hunger and there's desire. And, and I sense that tonight. And so, 
You might want to get your seatbelts on or off because who knows what the Holy Spirit might do tonight. Anybody that hungry, like, just to say, you know, whatever, come Holy Spirit, right? I don't want to give my message away too soon, but. uh. So Acts chapter one, I'm gonna start with verse four. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he there is, is Jesus, and isn't it good to know that Jesus eats? Like, I'm serious, I'm a big boy. I understand that. I wore black tonight just so I don't look as big as I really am. But I read that and I just stop and go, thank you, Jesus, that you eat, because I eat too. Amen. (laughs) On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Here's what he said. He's talking to his closest followers. He says, do not leave Jerusalem. Hear that. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John, this is John the Baptist, he baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse six, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Just so you know, they got way in the flesh right here. This has nothing to do with what Jesus is talking about. And he responded to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Then he gets right back to point, okay? Point is this, you will receive power, everybody say power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now I wanna also read, um, as a subtext, I wanna read Ephesians chapter three. I'll be reading this from the New Living Translation. It says this, when, all, when I think of all this, this is the Apostle Paul writing, he says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees, and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. He said, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots, look at this imagery, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power, somebody say power, that comes from God. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible here. Now all glory to God who is able, here's how able our God is, through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And the church said, amen. Amen. Now these are some power packed verses. In, in Acts chapter one, Luke is the writer and he's giving us the recorded history of how the, the early church, the first century church began 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his early followers, he said, don't, don't, don't leave Jerusalem. I want you to stay in Jerusalem and I want you to wait there until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want you to wait there until you're filled, until you are saturated, until you are overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're gonna know because you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now the word power there in the Greek is the word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from. So here's what he's saying. Jesus is like, don't leave Jerusalem because what I'm gonna call you to do and where I'm gonna call you to go and, and what I'm gonna call you to say, you are going to need dynamic strength to accomplish everything it is I'm calling you to accomplish. And then the subtext in Ephesians 3, the Apostle Paul, we see him using the exact same language. Paul's saying, you need power. You need the power of God to even comprehend who God is and what he's all about. You need the power of God to comprehend how deep and high and wide and strong is his love for you. You, you need the power of God to, just to be able to comprehend the purposes and the plan that God has for your life. Like to fulfill everything God is calling you as his followers to accomplish and do and say and be and become. You need the power of God. So church, hear me clearly. We need the power. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Like we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an optional part to the Christian experience. The Holy Spirit is a necessity. But unfortunately, at least in the American church, I'll say, so many Christians, I can't speak, and I say the American church because it's really the church I know best. It's the church I'm a part of. And, 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 and unfortunately, in the American church, what we see so much of is we see so many people doing it in their own strength. We see people trying to live their life for God in their own power, their own giftings, their own might, their own ability, their own stuff. When Jesus looked at his disciples and said, don't even attempt, like don't even attempt to do anything without the power, like stay in Jerusalem, don't leave until you are overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now it's important to understand something about this team that Jesus had hand-selected. First of all, let's start there. Jesus hand-selected these guys, okay? This isn't the team he landed with. Hey, this is all I got, y'all, you know? No, these are the guys he went, yeah, you, uh, you, and you. Understand, these guys were not, you know, seminary students. They didn't have seminary degrees. As a matter of fact, here's what is, here's a, a kind of a makeup of the team. Uh, he had one former corrupt tax collector that everybody hated, including the people on his team. Um, he had some fishermen, and he had, and we don't talk about this guy a whole lot, but there was one guy on his team that was a part of the Jerusalem militia. A zealot, right? Carrying a sword around, picking fights, right? This, this whole team was, was made up of these like ragtag group of guys from this backwoods area called Galilee. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have social media accounts. They didn't have email addresses. 
They didn't have a land. They didn't even have a landline. Who's still got a landline? Don't raise your hand. Don't do that. I'm not looking. I am not looking. They didn't have a printer. They didn't even have a, a, a printed copy of the Bible. They didn't know that God was going to use them to actually write the New Testament, right? I mean, these guys didn't have planes. They didn't have trains. They didn't have automobiles. But hear me, when they were filled with the power, the dynamic strength, the power of the Holy Spirit, like a rocket, like fire, it propelled them to the four corners of their known world. Here's what these guys were known for. This is what they were called. Those who are turning the world upside down. Those who are turning the world upside down. I don't know if you've ever thought about the definition of insanity or not. Like, if I were to ask you, what's the definition of insanity? You'd probably say, I don't know, but I know it when I see it, right? You know? Well, one of the definitions of insanity is this. It's it's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And here's what I just think it would be a great little project for the American church to kind of to kind of kind of take a look, like look under the hood and do some investigative work in the American church and find out like how much are we leaning into our academics? Like how much are we really leaning into our own logic and our, our own you know, intellect? Like how much like, are we leaning hard into that? Understand, these, these, these followers of Jesus, these guys didn't have a paper on the wall that said, they're now ready for ministry. They didn't have that. There's nothing wrong with that. I have one of those pieces of paper. Now, I, I don't know where it is. <laughs> And I'm not joking. Like I did, a, I did a wedding two weeks ago, Pastor Mark. I did a wedding two weeks ago and it wasn't at our, in our facility. It was at a, a beautiful, like built in the late 1700s church. And, and uh, you know, the guy that was, he's a friend of mine and he was like, hey man, they need some documentation to prove that like you're legit. <laughs> and I'm like, so what do you need to take? You mean to take a selfie? What do you want me to do? Like. <laughs> Because, like, this headshot says legit, right? You want, me to, you want me to get my Bible out, you know, and a microphone and do one of these? He's like, no, man, they need, they need a piece of paper. I'm like, dude, I don't know where it's at. Give me a second. Nothing wrong with a piece of paper, but these guys didn't, they didn't have that. I just think it would be good for us as the American church, you know, to say, like, how much are we leaning into our academics? How hard are we leaning into our own intellect? Like, how much are we leaning into our tools and our, our systems and our, our strategies and our processes? How much are we leaning into technology? Listen, I love technology. I love that there's lights up here right now and I can see. I love the fact that I've got a screen to tell me what time it is and I'm running out of time. I love the fact that, you know, I don't like what I, don't like what I look like up there. Honey, I can actually see that bald spot you're talking about. I was sitting, I was sitting on the couch one day and she comes up behind me. This is not too long ago. 
She comes up behind me, and I thought she was gonna, you know, oh, lean over, and I love my husband so much, and kid. She's up there with her phone taking a picture <laughs> of that right there. I didn't even know it looked like that. I don't look back there. I don't have the ability to look back there. I just now saw it, honey. I mean, I love technology, I do. I love the fact that like anywhere around the world, somebody could be watching this right now. I love that. But hear me very loud and clearly. We don't need any of this at the exclusion of the Holy Spirit. We don't need it. Like I believe with all that's in me, it grieves the heart of God when we say we no longer need the Holy Spirit because now we have X, right? <laughs> like, and, and it's, it's sometimes we don't say that, but we show it with our actions, don't we? A.W. <laughs> Tozer said, if the Holy Spirit, he's an uh, uh, old, old school Christian author, if you don't know who he is, but he said if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit would have been withdrawn from the first century church, 95% of what they were doing would have ceased and everyone would have known the difference. When it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit and what I'm talking about here tonight, when I, when I first started in ministry over 30 years ago, and I know Pastor Mark can attest to this as well, but you know, I, I grew up my, you know, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Those of you, you've been here before, you know that. And, and so I grew up around the power of the Holy Spirit. Like my dad was, my dad was a tent preacher back in the 50s and, you know, setting up tents. We were talking about it just before church started. You know, my dad would set up a tent in these small towns in rural southeastern Kentucky and, and he would just start preaching, you know, uh, seven nights a week for 13 weeks straight until there were enough people saved that you know, they would come in, they would take those people, send in a pastor, and they would plant a church, and then he would move to the next town. So I grew up around the power of the Holy Spirit, the whole demons being cast out, all that stuff. And when I first started in ministry, Christianity was way more polarizing than it is now. You know, when I started in ministry, there were people who believed in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then there were people over here who looked at us and said, y'all are weird. <laughs> You know, really. But nowadays, we, we have kind of drifted to the center a little bit better. Um, but here's what I hear nowadays. When we start talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, I hear people say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool that you do that. Yeah, I, what do you think? Of, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to it. That's what they say. I'm not opposed to it. Okay, that's not a... You know, you're not telling me you're for it either, but so you're just not against it, right? Well, yeah, yeah, well, well you know, what, what, do you, what do you think about like the power? What do you think about the Holy Spirit? What do you think about Acts? And what do you think about that thing happening in our day? And they're like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, it, it does kind of make me uncomfortable. We start talking about like the gifts of the Spirit, you know, like working of miracles and, you know, tongues and interpretation and, you know, start talking about words of knowledge and prophecy and words of wisdom and all that stuff. And then the tongues thing, definitely that kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, do you think it's for you? And here's what people say. Well, God knows where I'm at. Like he knows where I live. He knows where I work. He knows where I go to church. If he wants to baptize me, he can find me. 
He knows where I'm at. There's just this mentality in the body of Christ today when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. We read it in the Bible and we go, that's awesome for then. (laughs) But I don't know about me. I don't know that I wanna, we're just kind of neutral about it. And here's here's where I land on it. I don't know what's going on in Indiana, but like where I live, it feels like perilous times. It, it really does. You know, I remember growing up as a kid and they would talk about perilous times and I believed, I don't, I don't think they were lying because it's in the Bible, but I could not connect the dots. And now here we are living in, you know, the era and the, the time in history that we're living in and it just feels like perilous times. And I just think that like the time and day we're living in, you're either pursuing all that God has You're either pursuing all the Holy Spirit wants to baptize you with, or you might be making yourself susceptible to an unholy spirit. Because I just think we're living in a day and time where there's just no neutral ground. There isn't. Jesus told a story in Matthew 25. You might be familiar with it. It's a story he told about 10 virgins. And it's a story about how they went out at midnight with their lamps to, to meet their bridegroom. And, you know, and at midnight, obviously, they've got to take lamps with them. And Jesus tells a story. He says, in this story, he said, there's five wise virgins, and then there's five unwise virgins. He said, the five wise virgins, they went out at midnight to meet their bridegroom, and they not only took the oil that was in their lamps, but they also took some extra just in case it took longer than expected. And then he said, but the five unwise, they took their lamps and the oil that was in their lamps, but they didn't take any extra. And when it took a little bit longer for their bridegroom to show up than they expected, they ran out. Now, if you look at the context in which Jesus is telling this story, he's talking about the times we're living in. He's talking about end times. He's talking about when spiritual darkness starts to move in, starts to invade us. He said, make sure you've got not only your lamp with some oil in it, make sure you've got some extra. I'm telling you, we're living in a day where we need to say, come Holy Spirit, I want everything you have to offer, all of it. Not just a portion of it. Somebody gave a testimony a few minutes ago and said that uh, one of the things that you wanted to testify about is that, that God has been leading you to a place of being uncomfortable. Who, who said that? Right there, yeah. More of that, more of that right there. Lead us to a place, Lord, where we and our flesh are absolutely uncomfortable, but you are absolutely comfortable in what you're doing. <laughs> Show of hands, how many of you, um, you like to have your car or your vehicle full of gas? Yeah, thank you. I want my wife to see that. <laughs> she puts like 10 bucks in. Like, what is that gonna do? I didn't wanna stand outside, you know? Like, come on, see, I feel like when I fill my truck up, I feel like my truck says thank you. (laughs) Like I'm gonna ride better for you now. It's like when you get your car washed, you know, you wash it up real good. It's like, hey, there was a ticking noise 
that's not there anymore. I think my car is saying, thank you for washing me, right? All right, show of hands. <laughs> How many of you, when the low fuel light comes on in your car, you kind of... You kind of look at that as a suggestion. Yeah, we see you. Yeah. Thank you for the boldness over here. Most everybody else was like alligator arms. It's like, hey, hey, hey. You fanning a fly or are you responding? I don't know what's going on here. Some of you, when that low fuel light comes on, that's where the adventure begins, right? <laughs> oh, it's on now. It's on. How low can we go, right? <laughs> well, listen, that may be an exciting way to run your car. <laughs> but hear me, it is a terrible way to run your life. It is a terrible way to run your spiritual life. To see how low you can get and still be okay spiritually and yet this is where so many Christians are living they're living living on empty Ephesians 5 8 says this it says don't get drunk with wine which is rebellion instead be filled continually with the Holy Spirit now here's what's crazy like I read this passage and honestly I hear most Christians talking about this passage and on the left side, they want to talk about the drinking portion of it. Like this, the context here is like, well, we're, you know, it's okay to drink in moderation. I hear more people, Christians, talking about that side of it when that side of it is not even the point of what the Apostle Paul is making here. What he's saying here is be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. That's the point. That's the point. We need to be continually being filled over and over again. Acts 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, the same group came back and said, we need another dose. <laughs> and they got filled again. Be filled continually. You and I were designed by God to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Literally, not half empty, like overflowing. Not even full to here, like overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you say, why? Here's why, because what you and I can do on our own is not enough. It is not enough. He told his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't even attempt to try to do anything for me outside the power of the Holy Spirit. But together, Ephesians 3, together working in tandem with the power of the Holy Spirit, oh, we can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever think, ask, or imagine. Look at this statement on the screens. It's impossible, and I know that is an absolute word right there. I understand what I'm saying here. It is impossible for us to truly remain faithful to Jesus and to fulfill God's call on our lives without the Holy Spirit's empowerment. Listen, if that were not true, Jesus would have looked at his disciples and said, stay in Jerusalem, don't stay in Jerusalem, it's up to you. He didn't say that, did he? Don't leave. Do not go anywhere until you are baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me, let me balance this out. Because um, I, I, I know what happens in moments like this. You start talking about where I'm going. 
And some people start asking questions in your head. You're asking questions, you're not listening. So let me just balance this out. When I say be filled with the Holy Spirit, and when I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to the, the uncomfortable parts that we read in the Bible about the Holy Spirit, please understand, I'm not saying that you can't do good things for God and not be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, like I'm talking about. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't love God without the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't go to heaven without the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now there are, there are those in Christianity who would say that if you don't speak in tongues, then you don't go to heaven. Just so you know, I'm not saying that. I know your pastor, he's not saying that. I'm not even saying anything remotely close to that. All I'm saying is this. When Jesus says you can have it all, why would you settle for less? Why would you settle for less when there's more available? You know, why, why don't you want just, not just enough for your lamb, but why don't you want extra when that's what's being offered? Now, people who believe in the power of the Holy Spirit like I do, um, and like you do, uh, often we get blasted by those who don't. And what I mean by that is, there are those in the body of Christ, it's called cessationism. Maybe you've heard of that. Uh, cessationism are, are those who believe that everything we read in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit, like gifts, healing, power, words of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, all that stuff, all of that stuff happened in the Bible and that was legit, but it was legit for them and it was needed to jumpstart the church. But they would say, but now we don't really need that because we've got all this other stuff, like we've got the Bible and we've got other things. We don't need that measure. And again, to that I would say, uh, you realize that we started as a Christian nation, but you understand like we're on the post side of that now. You understand Gen Z, Gen Z is now walking away more than any generation in history from the church. And they're not just walking away from faith, they're actually turning to, the number one religion they're turning to is paganism. So they're walking, and this is in America, this is in American churches, they're walking away from Christianity, Gen Z is, and they're turning to paganism. Hear me church, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a necessity in our day, in our time. We need it. But often people will look at people like me and say, oh, since you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, and I don't believe in it like you do, you probably think you're better than me spiritually. And my response to that is like, like what made you think that was my goal? To try to be better than you. You understand when you give your life to Jesus, the goal is to become more like Jesus. The goal isn't, oh now I don't have to go to hell. Oh my gosh, that's a benefit, okay? That's a great benefit. But that's not the goal. The goal is to become more like Jesus. So hear me, I don't need the Holy Spirit in my life to be better than you. I'm not even trying to be better than you. I need the Holy Spirit in my life to be better than me. I just wanna be better than me. I wanna do more than what I can do on my own. I wanna do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ever ask, think, or imagine according to the power of God that's working on the inside of me. So just about every single day of my life when I pray, one of the things I ask the Lord to do is I say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. 
I do not want to do this day without you. Come fill me. You say, why would you do that? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is this. We're not living in the comfort zone yet, just so we're clear. The comfort zone is when we're on the other side of this life and we're face to face with Jesus, right? And we've received our eternal reward and there is no more devil. How many knows we're not living there yet? Okay, we're not there. You might go, really? I thought we were there. We're not there. Wake up call. We're not there. Here's where we are. We're living in a battle zone. We are living in a war zone where there is a real devil who the Bible says is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And God says, I've given you power to trample on over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. He's given us power to not hide from the enemy but to actually defeat the powers of darkness. I want to be on that team. I just want to be on that team. So if you write anything down I say tonight, write this down. Look at this on the screens. We need the Holy Spirit. We need, the, I don't know if you're hearing me or not, but this is it right here. We need the Holy Spirit. Way more than we think we do. And for some of you, maybe way more than you've ever been told you do. You need the Holy Spirit just to face the onslaught of the spirit of this age. Like you understand the spirit of this age is just growing stronger and stronger and darkness is trying to, trying to creep in, right? I mean, we, we, the spirit of this age is trying to strip authority away from parents. I had somebody in my church this, this two weeks ago, Pastor Mark, who they're, they're, the, the mom and dad, are, they're, they're dealing with a, um, a daughter that is struggling with gender confusion. And it, it's easy to see how the Lord is moving, but took her to the doctor, and the doctor made the parents leave the room so they could talk to this girl by herself about her gender issues. Do you see how the spirit of this age is moving? Here's what the spirit of this age is doing. The spirit of this age is trying to disrupt the family. Like, read, because the spirit of this age wants to redefine family, because that's where power's at is in the family. God, God operates in family. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus was born into a family. The first thing God created was what? Family. They had children, right? Adam and Eve had children. Family, family. This is God's design. The church is called the family of God. And, and, and so what the enemy wants to do is he wants to redefine family by disassembling it, pulling God out of the middle and putting self in, in its place. And I'm telling you, just to face the onslaught of the spirit of this age, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. To face temptation, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. To read your Bible, <laughs> you need the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that inspired this book to be written is the same spirit that will illuminate it for you, bring inspiration as you read it. Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. We need the power of the Holy Spirit just to pray. Like the Bible, Romans 8, Paul said, we don't even know how to pray as we ought. 
And when we reach our limitations, the Holy Spirit says, thank you, I was waiting for you to get here. And that's where the Holy Spirit kicks in and begins to pray the perfect will of God for any and every situation. And then, one of the verses we love to quote, then we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. How many of you, show of hands, have some difficult people in your life? Don't point, why are you pointing over here? I don't need to know that. Like, yeah, right here, yeah. You gonna give him an altar call? <laughs> you need the Holy Spirit. You need the fruit of the Spirit to deal with the difficult people in your life. So let, let me move on. I'm, I, I'm running out of time. So I have, I have another hour left? That's awesome, thank you. <laughs> so what does it mean? When I say Spirit-empowered, Spirit-empowered, like what does that mean? Let me give you three things in closing. Number one, number one, we acknowledge and welcome the person of the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, come. I've had people say, why do you say that? He's already here. There's a difference in saying that God is there or everywhere and God is here. And we know that God is omnipresent. Like the Bible says his glory fills the earth. You can't go anywhere that God is not. But when his manifest presence shows up, that's when things happen. Like you, you can't deny when God shows up in power, right? Like there are atheists around the world right now that are standing in the omnipresence of God and they're not aware of God. But when the Holy Spirit shows up in power, everybody knows, so that's why we say, Holy Spirit, come. Now, it's also important to understand that the Holy Spirit is not a force. Now, he can be forceful. <laughs> we know that in Acts 2, he came in you know, like a, like, a, like a blowing, violent wind. The Amplified Version of the Bible says that it was like a violent tempest blast. So he can be forceful, but he's not, he's not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He is not the emanating power that comes from God. Here's what he is. He is God. You hear that? He is God. He's not the emanating power that comes from God. He is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He has a personality. He can be grieved and he can be quenched. He is real. He exists. He's got an agenda and he has a voice. And we say, Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you in all of your glory and all of your fullness. Now, a lot of churches, I'm not here to bash other churches. I'm just saying, a lot of churches want to ignore the Holy Spirit because it makes them feel uncomfortable, right? I don't know if you have this at your mall, but in, in our mall back home, uh, we have these kiosks, like in the middle of our mall, there's a section where like you walk and there's like all, and these kiosks are like, there's a dude with like a, like a massage chair, there's somebody with like, uh, you know, makeup or, you know, different things like this, and when you walk through that section, it's like the green mile, and they're all trying to lure you in, you know? And they've got samples. Come and enjoy. Come and taste and see. And for me, it's, I'm so uncomfortable in that setting. And so if I'm with my wife or somebody else, I engage in a like, you know, like really intentional conversation and start pointing at things. Oh, look over here, you know? And if I'm all alone, I'm just, you know, total confession. 
If I'm all alone, I just grab my phone. I'm like, hey, what's up? I see you, I'll be back, all right, I'll be back, I'll be back, I got you. Because I'm just uncomfortable, right? And so a lot of churches ignore the Holy Spirit, a lot of Christians ignore the Holy Spirit because we're uncomfortable. So we just go la 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 la. A lot of churches want to explain the Holy Spirit away because it's easy to explain away what we don't understand. A lot of churches acknowledge the existence of the Holy Spirit in their creeds, but there is a big difference between acknowledging the Holy Spirit and having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people on this planet, there's a lot of people in this room right now, you are real, like you exist. You are not a hologram, right? Like if somebody pinched you, don't do it. But if somebody pinched you, you're real, right? Ah! But I don't know you. I don't know you, right? Listen, God the Father wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus the Son wants to have a relationship with you. And we get that, right? It's like family language. Father, Son. But listen, the Holy Spirit, which is the forgotten God in the church, he wants to have a relationship with you as well. As a matter of fact, when you develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he will help you see Jesus and the Father in ways you've never seen them before. It's one of his jobs, it's one of his roles. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Listen, we know how to have fellowship, right? We know how to have fellowship with each other. Somebody bake a casserole and we just get around the table, we'll talk, you know? One of those like rectangle plastic tables at church and a cheap old tablecloth and man, let's, let's go. Let's talk, right? We, we know how to have fellowship. The word fellowship uh, in the Bible, comes, it's the Greek word koinonia, and it means a relationship centered around a common, a common purpose. He doesn't want us just to acknowledge him. He wants us to welcome the Holy Spirit. You understand, Jesus didn't just acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't say, yeah, you know, my father and I, you know, we got my brother, the Holy Spirit, he kind of does some weird stuff, man. I don't know. We just don't bring him out all that often. Like, you know, like, like Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like in Philippians 2, it says he laid aside his privileges of God. Like he came here as you and me, right? He was fully God. He was fully, he was fully human on this planet, but the Bible says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for the Lord was with him. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. You ever been to a church with a dove in the baptistry, right? right? The Holy Spirit, Jesus is our first example in the New Testament of this is what it looks like to walk through this life empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus told his disciples, hey listen, you've seen me do some really cool stuff, you wait till the Holy Spirit empowers you. You're gonna do greater works than I've even done. I'm still waiting on that, man. But he didn't, he didn't want us to just acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't just acknowledge. Jesus welcomed the Holy Spirit, was empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us. 
He told his disciples one day, he said, listen, I know you're kind of getting upset about when I talk about, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. But listen, if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit to you. Why would Jesus send us something that's weird and strange and something that we don't need and something that we can't understand and something that makes us feel totally uncomfortable and something that would not be good for us? And as you develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, here's what you discover. He's exactly as Jesus described. Like he's my friend, he's my comforter, he's my help, he's my guide, he leads me into all truth. The spirit of the age wants to lead you into all deception. The antidote to the spirit of this age, you know what it is? Be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. Second, when you say, what does it mean to be spirit empowered? Here's the next one. We pursue the person, power, gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit. We wanna go beyond just I acknowledge, we wanna go beyond I believe, we wanna go to pursue. Ephesians 5 says, be filled continually over and over and over and over and over again with the Holy Spirit. Why can't it be a one and done? Why do I gotta keep getting filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's why, because you leak. (laughs) So do I. So we have to be filled, therefore we pursue. Here's the nine gifts of the Spirit, they're listed in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one, of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So who's the giver of the gifts? (laughs) It's so funny when you ask questions like that, and people are like (laughs) The Holy Spirit, you're right. Who does he give them to? Yeah, whoever he wants to. And I would say whoever pursues them. So here's what this means. If you're a born again believer, guess where the Holy Spirit's at? He's living on the inside of you. Like, think about what that means. Like, if the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of me, according to Ephesians 3, that means that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, what's up? Is li- I, got, I got the power of heaven living on the inside of me. And if you've got the spirit of God living on the inside of you as a born again believer, guess what you also have? You've got the gifts of the spirit in there too. You don't get the spirit without the gifts. It's been said that a better translation than gifts would be manifestations because when you use the word gift, it's like I give you something. So sometimes we're looking at the gifts of the spirit as they're out here and he, he knows where I'm at if he wants to fill me, whereas manifestations are, they're already in there. We just need to stop quenching and stop grieving and let the Spirit of God manifest through our lives. <laughs> now, one of the things you don't wanna do, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit can be quenched, and one of the best ways to quench the Holy Spirit is to treat him and his gifts like a salad bar. Now, I know I don't look like I go to the salad bar much, but I know some stuff. <laughs> I know some stuff about the salad bar. I know where the moose is at. (laughs) 
touchdown on the end. <laughs> right? So you can't treat the Holy Spirit like a salad bar and go, you know, I like croutons, but I don't like sesame seeds. I like tomatoes, but I don't like chickpeas, right? No, what you say is, Holy Spirit, come. I'm not gonna try to customize you in my life. I hear a lot of people say, well, I've got, you know, I've got the gift of discernment. Well, that's a real convenient one, you know? I discern you are bad. <laughs> that gift is like everywhere, right? You know, now listen, I'm not trying to diminish that gift. My point would be this. That's great that you have the gift of discernment, but why would you settle for one when you can have it all? Extra, remember? Your lamp, not just with the oil you need for the lamp, but some extra. Now, every once in a while, I'll have people come to me, and I'll start talking like this at our church, and every once in a while, people walk up to me and go, hey, pastor, come over here. Yeah, what do you want? What about the tongues? <laughs> about the what? What about the tongues oh okay so you mean that beautiful gift that when i pray in a heavenly language um it bypasses my intellect the place where pride doubt and unbelief exist that 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 prayer language when i'm praying in in the holy spirit i'm praying directly to the heart of god i'm praying the perfect will of god i don't understand it the devil can't understand it but god does you mean that gift are you saying that's a wacky gift because i think it's beautiful <laughs> and to that I say thank you, and Holy Spirit, come. Do you know why people um, who don't speak in tongues are not good on the grill? I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Like, they're always burning the meat. And I'm like, what? what's up, dude? Do you know, why they, you know why they're not good on the grill? Because they don't use the tongues. Thank you. I knew you would like that one. I'll be here all week, tip your servers. <laughs> but I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're going, but I've seen some weird stuff. All this Holy Spirit stuff, I've seen some weird stuff. Now what you've seen is some weird people. That's what you've seen. When, when, when I was a kid, we played outside. Pastor Mark, you're gonna laugh at this. When I was a kid, we played outside and in the summertime and we were thirsty. We didn't run in the house and go, Mom, could you grab me a Fuji, like a 20 ounce Fuji? Like, <laughs> I need some fresh spring water in my life, Mom. I'm so parched right now. <laughs> Listen, when we were kids, like we didn't even want to come inside. Because Mom might say, do this, do that, do that. So, Here's what we got. If we were thirsty, we went straight to the garden hose. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, man. And, when, and in the summertime, when it's real hot, you pick a thing up, it's like a noodle, you know? And you're like, uh. And you turn that sucker on and you start drinking out of that hose. Guess what the water tastes like? The hose. Now listen, there is nothing wrong with the water. If the water is just taken on the flavor of the hose that it's passing through, right? 
So here's my point. We got some real hosers in the body of Christ. <laughs> and when the Holy Spirit is flowing through them, there is nothing wrong with the Holy Spirit. It's just the, the hose he's flowing through. Don't reject the Holy Spirit because of the hose. You like that, didn't you? I knew you would. Some hosers. But we also, look at this, we also pursue the, the nine fruit of the Spirit, too. Matter of fact, um, our former national director, uh, Phil Strout, he taught us a prayer years ago, and I still pray it to this day. He said, I asked the Lord for three things, wisdom, courage, kindness. And he said, wisdom and courage are powerful things that we need as leaders, but by themselves, they're kind of abrasive. You need the kindness of the Lord to temper that. I see a lot of people operating, wanting to operate in the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit, but they're not really interested in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, if you wanna see the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate in their fullness, let it all be tempered with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the personality traits of the Holy Spirit. And the closer you begin to get to Jesus, you build a relationship with the Holy Spirit, what happens is, is that like God starts to get a grip on your heart. And these traits start to, these, these attributes of God start to be activated in your life and you start to think and act and talk more like Jesus than, you know, than the spirit of this age. This is actually called sanctification. This is the, the process by which we're being made holy. We're becoming more like Jesus. Again, let me remind you of the goal. When you give your life to Jesus, the goal is become more like Jesus. So we, we say, Holy Spirit, come and make me more like Jesus. I, I invite you, not just permission, I invite you to come and make me holy, make me more like Jesus. And the final one is this. Uh, Leah, would you come, please? Music will make me stop. Or go longer, I don't know. We'll find out, that's right. The last one is this. What does it mean when we say we're spirit-empowered? Here's what it is. We depend on the leading and the working of the Holy Spirit. John 16, Jesus said this. He said, I have much more to say to you. Much more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. Man, don't you want to be on it, in on like what is to come? Build a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. When we look at the life of Jesus, again, the, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 4, 1, it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The disciples were led by the Spirit. Look at this, Acts 13, 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So Jesus was led by the Spirit. The disciples were led by the Spirit. 
You and I are called to be led by the Spirit as well. Galatians 5.25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in how many parts of our lives? Every part. Why is this important? Because if we're not being led by the Spirit, we're going to be led by something. If you're not leaning into the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit of God, you're going to be led by your own intellect, by your own logic, by your own experiences, by your failures, by influencers, by, you know, the culture, by social media. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. This is what God has called us to. Why would we ever say no to that? I believe it's normal to be supernatural. Amen? And I believe you can also be supernaturally normal. (laughs) You know why? Because the Holy Spirit's not weird. He's anything but weird. He's beautiful. He's powerful. He's mighty. Best of all, He's available. He's available. He's available. Like Jesus said, if you, if you ask my Father for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give it to you. And he said, if you, he said, you, talking about us and humanity, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, like how much more will my Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Why don't we just ask? You up for it? Like, you up for this? Like, you want to ask? Yeah. So here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd I'd love for you, I know you kind of settled in and, you know, maybe get on the edge of your seat, maybe change your position right now. And for me, this is like palms up, you know, because this is a a sign of reception, receiving to me. Um, And I would just like to lead us into into a prayer. And... And please, don't let me pray this prayer for you. If you are hungry for more, like, I want you to pray this prayer out. And I'd be honest with you, I wouldn't even mind if we started hearing prayers in the room right now. When I was a kid in church and they said prayer, the whole room prayed. The the room, like, resounded with prayer, right? Don't, I can't pray this prayer for, I can't ask for you. I want you to ask. I can lead, I can help put some words in your mouth, some thoughts and things like that. But you have to receive this. Let's pray, Lord. Let's start with forgiveness. Lord, forgive us. For grieving. Maybe you've got some sin in your life that you just need to deal with. You need to lay that at the foot of the cross right now. Because the way to grieve the Holy Spirit is just like sin, just like anything that separates you from Jesus and sin is what separates you from Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is just pleading with you, just, just lay it at the foot of the cross, lay it at the foot of the cross so I can get you closer to Jesus. So maybe there's some stuff you need to lay down. Some of you need to soften your heart right now because you've quenched the Holy Spirit in your life. You've said, oh, that's weird, and that's this, and that's this, and that's that, and you know, that's for them, but not for me, and God knows where I'm at, and he can fill me if he ever wants. That's just quenching the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just right now just say, Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you to come in my life in all of your fullness. I want your fruit. I want your power. 
want your gifts. I want everything you have for me. I need it, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.